Good day, all. Welcome to a new episode of Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to teach you Bible truth, help you grow in faith, and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Now, I want you to remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Hi, everyone. And I want to take this time out to send a sincere hello to the non-believers. I hope this message continues to find you hungry for the truth. We are touring the book of Acts, all 28 chapters, which contains the beginning of the church of the Lord Jesus. How the apostles set up the fellowship with the church. The apostles were acting on and led by the Holy Spirit as they witnessed for Christ. They performed signs and wonders and miracles, which included healing for all who came to them. Now, in episode one, we cover chapters one and two. We learned that Jesus told the apostles before he ascended on high not to depart from Jerusalem before the promise of God the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And the apostles and disciples obeyed. So when the day of Pentecost had finally come, they were all, shall, shall I say that again? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues, which simply means in new languages. The Holy Spirit gave them power to heal and deliver people from demonic spirits. More importantly, the Holy Spirit is a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Simplified, the Holy Spirit confirms who Jesus is and gives you the boldness to witness for Jesus. Now, we also learn the church of the Lord Jesus Christ took care of one another. They had all things in common. No one had a need for anything. The church truly took care of one another. Now, before we move forward, I want to clarify something I said during episode one. This series will not be in six episodes. Okay, I want to make that clear. <laughs> that is virtually impossible. We will probably complete the series within 12 to 14 episodes. Now, I didn't realize I said six until I listened to the first episode. Okay, and then I realized I, I said six and I, I didn't know I said it when I said it. So. With that said, let's get this truth on the road. Now, we will pick up where we left off, which is Acts chapter 3. Now, I'm continuing to read from the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. Now, at some point during these episodes, I might switch to the New King James Version. Now, hopefully, we can complete chapters 3 through 5 today. Because of my commentary, it takes some time to get through these chapters. Now, are you there? Now, I am reading beginning at verse 1 of Acts chapter 3. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
And a man lame from birth was being carried, lame meaning crippled, he couldn't walk, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, or either the gate called beautiful if you're reading in the New King James, to ask alms, meaning asking for money and food, of those entering the temple. Verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Verse 4, and Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, look at us. Verse 5, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold. Hallelujah. But what I do have, I give to you, praise God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse 7. And he took him by the hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made straight. Verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. This man was praising God when he was healed. Imagine being crippled from birth and all of a sudden these men said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This man got up immediately. Not no 12 step program. He didn't need surgery. He got up and started praising God. So verse nine and all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate at the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, let's take a look at what just happened. Okay. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple to do what? To preach. Oh, yes. They was going to preach the gospel and tell the people about Jesus. Now, the healing of a lame man at the temple gate provides an example of an apostolic miracle. And attracts a crowd to hear Peter's second sermon in the temple. Now, in Acts, actions often led to an explanation about what God is doing. There is word and then there is deed. Word and deed go together. That was one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit came to empower them to perform miracles uh, of healing of deliverance, and you're going to, to hear about this and see this as we tour the book of Acts, the beginning of the church age. That was the reason for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also gave them the power to witness about Jesus. Okay? Now, alms, which is what I said, gifts of money or, or goods given to the poor. Now, to heal in the name of Jesus was to invoke his power and presence. Okay? That's one of the reasons we need power in the church so that we can heal and deliver so that the people can see God raise this man up in the name of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, there is no healing without the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I ask you this question. Is this happening in your church today? If it's not, it's because your church don't have the power to do it. Okay. Now. In, in, in verse eight, the reference to the man's leaping implores a rare word, uh, halimea. That's a Greek word, halimea, uh, which is found in the Septuagint Greek uh, Old Testament of Isaiah 35, verse six, which reference uh, to the Messianic age. OK, 
Now, Peter preaches in the temple square. Now, as with his first uh, sermon, Peter's second sermon took place in the temple precincts. His Pentecost sermon emphasized Jesus' messianic status. This one was primarily a call for Jews to repent of their rejection of Jesus as Messiah and focuses the argument on the Torah. Now, the Torah was the law uh, of God as revealed to Moses to give to the children of Israel. It is the first five books of, of the Hebrew scriptures. Okay. Now I, I'm, I'm skipping some scriptures and going straight to its commentary so that we can get through, make sure that I am able to get through all three chapters today, chapter three, four, and five. Now Solomon's portico was a colonnaded area along the Eastern wall of the temple. Okay. Now, for the Jews' refusal to take Pilate's advice and their request for a murderer instead, because remember when, when Pilate was telling them, look, um, it's up to you guys. You know, I can release the king of the Jews to you. And these people, no, release, a, a, what is his name? Barabbas. Release Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a murderer. Now, if you want to read that, uh, about that, you can go to Luke chapter 23, verses 13 and 25. Now, um, the reference to Jesus as God's servant, which is in uh, verse 13, where Peter said, you delivered over and denied, you denied, you killed. Peter directly and repeatedly tell, tells these Jewish people that they were responsible for Jesus's non-release and consequent death and that they needed to repent of that. Um, you can read Acts 3.17. Now, holy one and righteous one are messianic terms. Okay, you can read Isaiah chapter 53.11 and, and, and Mark chapter 1 verse 24. Now, when Peter says you killed, you raised, God raised and, and we are witnesses, Peter's emphasis on the veracity of Jesus' death and resurrection is a recurring theme in the speeches of Acts. Okay. Now, in verse 16, when Peter says his name in the full biblical sense of the name means everything that is true about the person. And therefore, in a sense, the person himself. Okay. By faith in his name refers to Peter's faith, Peter's faith rather than to any faith on the part of the lame man. Now, Jesus healed uh, the man. Let's make that clear. Jesus healed the man, not the apostle. And faith or trust in Jesus also healed the man. Because Jesus worked through Peter's faith. Just like he will work through our faith if we don't have a wavering faith. See, it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. The apostle James tells us that. It is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. So through Peter's faith, Jesus Christ healed this man. Now, the faith that is through Jesus, that is what heals today, okay? Jesus himself imparts this kind, this kind of miracle work in faith to people's hearts. That is uh, um, actually available to us today. Now, I have to ask you this question. Are people being healed in your church? Or where you go to fellowship? Because we are the church. Are people being healed? Because if they're not, it's because the Holy Spirit is not in that church. 
your church doesn't have the power to do it. Now, in order for you to have the Holy Spirit, you have to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm just letting that sink in. Now, verse 17, where, G, where, where Peter says you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. Now, in ignorance means that they did not fully understand that Jesus was the true Messiah and also the true son of God. But their ignorance in scripture, you know, while it may diminish punishment, does not fully absolve people of responsibility for their actions. Now, let's pick up at, at verse 18. Look like we might get through this. If y'all allow me to give commentary through some of these scriptures, verse, verse 18, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Verse 19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you. Jesus. Now, let's talk about this. The times of uh, refreshing. Okay. Now, Peter promised three results of repentance. Number one, the forgiveness of sins. Number two, times of refreshing. A mark of the Messianic age. Now, as people are refreshed in their spirits, when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within them, this refreshing comes also to the world in general as it is, is affected by believers who are changed by the power of the spirit. Okay. And the third promise is that he may send the Christ is a clear reference to the second coming of Christ. Since the next verse looks forward to, um, that time. Now, verse 21, the time for restoring all things now looks forward to when Christ will return and his kingdom will be established on earth. And the earth itself will be renewed even beyond the more abundant and productive state it, it is now. Or that it was during the uh, days of Adam and Eve and before they fell. Now, Acts uh, 22 and 23, Peter quoted Deuteronomy chapter 18. Fifth, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, chapter 18. Peter quoted Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15. To establish that Jesus was the prophet like me, like Moses, a comparison that points to a leader prophet that God had promised to send in Acts 3.23. Peter quotes Deuteronomy 18 verse 19 to point out the danger of rejecting the coming prophet. You won't be destroyed from the people. You will be removed from the people. Now, I, I want to add to the I want to add some more. Facts. Um, there are a lot of religions who are con uh, anti-Christianity who uses the scripture that Moses uh, talks about. God will send a prophet like me saying that it relates to um, the person they are worshiping, such as Muslims talking about. Uh, Moses was talking about Muhammad. Moses was not talking about Muhammad. Muhammad didn't heal anyone. See, God didn't leave us without a witness. Jesus came part of the uh, duties of the Messiah so that people can know he was the true Messiah 
was signs and wonders. Jesus raised people from the dead. Jesus healed. I don't care how long you were sick. I don't care what type of illness you had. Jesus healed you from it. And Jesus was never sick. How can a healer get sick? Mohammed stayed sick. Never one recording of him healing anybody because he didn't have any power. He was not the Messiah, the anointed one that Moses was talking about. Now, Moses was not the only prophet in the Bible. They had several prophets. Samuel came after Moses. The prophets after Moses talked about the coming of the Messiah and started, they, they left uh, examples of, of what the Messiah would do when he came so that the people would know that was him. Now, Moses said a prophet like me. Why like him? Why not the other prophets? Why did Moses say God is going to send you a prophet like me? Because Moses was a deliverer, uh, in a sense, the redeemer to, uh, for the children of Israel. Just like Jesus Christ is our deliverer and our redeemer. The difference? Moses is beneath Jesus. See, Jesus was the son of God. Moses was not. Jesus was perfect. Moses was not. But he told the children of Israel, look, God is going to send you a prophet like me and you shall listen to him. You know, and those who don't listen to him will be destroyed among the people, meaning removed from the people. So Moses distinguished um, himself from the Messiah. And he also related himself to the Messiah. He said, look, a prophet like me, meaning a deliverer, he's going to deliver you. He's going to redeem you. And that was going to be it. There will be no more messiahs after Jesus. Okay. Now. Um, let's read uh, verse 24. Let's pick up at verse 24. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. And I just uh, explained to you. Uh, what 20 verse 24 meant verse 25 you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers saying to Abraham and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed verse 26 God having raised up his servant sent him to you to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness or your wicked ways. Now, <laughs> you are, we already know this. This is nothing new. The Jews were God's chosen people initially, but they kept turning their backs on God. Boy, they gave they ran uh, they gave Moses hell. You hear me? And every time they got in trouble and they came to Moses saying, you know, you know, talk to God, ask Him to deliver us. God did. Every time Moses went to God and said that. You know, they want your help, God. I'm intervening. I'm paraphrasing here. I'm intervening on their behalf. They want your help. We need your help. God always made a way. Always made a way. And the children of Israel continued to turn their backs on God. Mm -hmm. Slapping him right in the face. Now, let's go to uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple... And the Sadducees came upon them. Verse two, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse three, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day 
for it was already evening. Now, let, let's look at this on who these people were. Now, Peter and John witnessed before the Jewish council. That's what they were doing. Provoked by Peter's sermon, the Sadducean uh, leaders had the two apostles arrested and held for trial before the, the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was the uh, high court or let's say the Supreme Court of that day. OK, um, the section this section falls into three parts. The arrest of the apostles, uh, the hearing that they had with the Sanhedrin and the warning that the Sanhedrin gave to the apostles. Now, the captain of the temple was second in rank to the high priest. The Sadducees may have accepted only the, you know, the Pentateuch as scripture. Now, the Pentateuch are the first five books of the Bible. Um, they also denied, which was in Hebrew, by the way, uh, the first five books of the Bible in Hebrew. Now, they also denied the resurrection. Um, Sadducees, they did believe in the Messiah. They just didn't believe in the resurrection, which is dangerous because that is where our salvation is. Our salvation is in the resurrection because if Jesus ain't alive today, we all going to hell. There is no, 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 no savior. There is no salvation if Jesus is not alive today. Okay, because that is what Christian hinges their salvation on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, you can see verse uh, 23, chapter 23, verse eight in reference to that and represented the, the privilege. The Sadducees represented the, the privileged uh, rich people who worked closely with the Romans to uh, pro protect their own political and economic interests. Okay. Now. Though the Sad Sadducees did not themselves believe in the resurrection, most other Jews did. I want to make that clear. Not all Jews rejected Jesus. Now, including the Pharisees. Now, the Sadducees were upset with Peter's preaching that in Jesus, the general resurrection had begun. Uh, a message which uh, with de definite Messianic implications that was liable to be viewed by the Romans as revolutionary. Now, the Jewish high court, the Sanhedrin is what I told you about, met in the morning. You know, since it was evening, the two apostles were placed in, in detention overnight. That's why they put him in jail. OK, now, Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts. Uh, he continues his catalog of Christian growth. Okay. The 120, then 3000 were saved at the preaching of Peter and John. And now the men alone and, 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 and now the men alone were about 5,000, you know, suggesting that the total number of Christians at that time would have been well in excess, excess of, uh, 10,000. Now, the incredible growth of the church occurred in response to two activities empowered by the Holy Spirit. OK, the powerful preaching of the gospel message about Jesus and the many wonders and signs. See, without the wonders and signs, ain't nobody believing nothing. Oh, no, not. Uh, I mean, especially with with uh, Satan's people planted throughout the body of Christ. You know, ain't nobody. A half of the church ain't even saved. Ain't even saved. And we have churches who are claiming to be churches for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, acting as if they are in the body of Christ working without the power. 
the power is available to us today. We read that in chapter two of Acts. It is available to us today. The Holy Spirit is available. Now let's pick up at uh, verse five. Chapter four, verse five. Now on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem, verse six, with Anus, the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and, and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. That was the uh, high courts, the Supreme court of the land during that time. Verse seven. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter verse eight, then Peter look at the verse that comes next filled with the Holy spirit said to them, rulers of the people and elders. Verse nine, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Verse 10, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this is second time saying this, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him. This man is standing before you. Well, Jesus of Nazareth is the reason this man is healed. This crippled man whom y'all knew y'all knew to be crippled from birth. Couldn't walk since birth. So they knew it. Was, some, something had to heal him. Something of power and authority had to heal him because they knew this man. Verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. The builders which has become the cornerstone. Jesus was the cornerstone, the foundation of the church. Verse 12. And there is salvation. Before I say this, my Lord, my Lord, have mercy. Put on your hat and ask God for understanding. This is very important. Verse 12 is one of the most powerful scriptures in this entire Bible. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, before Peter and them start talking, you remember, and filled with the Holy Spirit was one of the reasons why Peter was so bold when he said this. You can't be saved by Muhammad. You can't be saved by Buddha. Do you hear what I'm saying? The only name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved is the name of Jesus. We are not. Now, this is powerful. I want you to hear this. We are not saved by Jehovah, we, which is the name of God. We are not saved by Yahweh or Yahshua, which is the name of God or Elohim. We are saved by the name of Jesus. You have to remember there are different functions that these names have. They are all one God. Jehovah is one God. It's the same as Yahweh. Okay. Elohim. God. It's the same as Jehovah and Yahweh. Jesus is God. But you can only be saved by the name of Jesus. Remember I explained to you how God works. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are one. They are all one. I use water. You can take a glass of water. You can freeze that glass. It that water, it becomes ice, but it's still water. You can boil that water. It becomes steam and starts to evaporate, but it's still water. 
All three are God, but they have different functions. Jesus is the Savior. You ain't say, well, I baptize you in the name of Jehovah. No, in the name of Jesus. And there are some areas, oh boy, I can't wait to get through. Uh, the book of Acts is very interesting and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. And see, I already know about it. I'm trying to get it all in there within one session. I can't do it. I got to be patient because me, I like sharing the word. I like sharing the word because I know what it's done for me. I want it to do the same for you. But you can't be saved. Saved by no other name. Salvation comes through the name of Jesus Christ. And that's it. I don't care what religion you are associated with. You are saved by the name of Jesus. Or in the name of Jesus. That is the only way a person can be saved. I don't care what book you, you pull out of a hat. You cannot be saved outside of the name of Jesus. Now let's go to verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, remember, I told you before, can't nobody, nobody come to you and lie and say they have been with Jesus. They met Jesus. They encountered Jesus and they are still the same person you have been knowing for 30 years. They are lying. I have people I've been knowing 40 years to tell you today. Back in the day, they never would have thought I would have been the person I am today. And I contribute that all to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He changed me. I met Jesus one day at my lowest. And I called on his name and he saved me. Oh, yes, he did. He saved me. Now, when these scriptures talk, talk about they have they were uneducated, that they perceived that they were un uneducated. They are not talking in the sense of illiteracy. That's not what they're talking about. They are talking about that uh, Peter and John had not been trained in a rabbinic school. You know, they were speaking boldly and with confidence and they were competent in what they were saying. But that was because they went to the school of the Holy Spirit. OK, the Holy Spirit gave them boldness and confidence to speak. Because remember, before they started speaking before the council, what did the scripture say? And filled with the Holy Spirit. Honey, they went up there with no fear. No fear. You hear me? And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, yes. Oh, these are not the same men we knew. They speaking better than us. They know more about the Old Testament scriptures and know more about Jesus than we have ever known. Okay. Verse 14. But seeing that. Seeing the man who was healed. Standing beside them. They had nothing to say in opposition. They couldn't oppose what they were saying. Because the man. Was healed. Okay. They could only believe what the apostles were telling them. Verse 15. But when they had commanded them to leave the council. They, re they conferred with one another. You know they had a little meeting. You know, verse 16 saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a, a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. And why were they trying to deny it? Know why? Because these, was, these were people that were against God anyway. You know, they don't want no light flashing on their, their, the darkness because it, it will reveal their evil. That's why verse 17, but in order that it may be, that it may spread no further among the people, 
let us warn them to speak no more to, to one another or to anyone in this name. In what name? The name of Jesus. Uh, don't talk about him no more. Do you hear it? Don't talk about him anymore. Verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them. And I want y'all to listen to this. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we, verse 20, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard, meaning we can only speak the truth. Okay. Now you can judge for yourself <laughs> whether or not we should listen to you or God, but we're going to keep speaking the truth and teaching and preaching the truth. And when, and verse 21, and when they had further threatened them, the council now threatening them now, they the priest right along with them, threatening them. Don't you teach in the name of Jesus. They let them go finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened. And let me tell you, there is power in numbers. See all these people out here protesting and marching. If they were protesting and marching for the name of Jesus, baby, the skies would open up. Oh yes. The skies would literally open up. That's a whole nother teaching. But anyway, verse 22 for the man whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. This man had been crippled since birth. He was a little over 40 years old. And now all of a sudden, and I'm telling you, there was no limp after he was healed. This man was made straight immediately. Everything went back in place like they should be allowing him to walk like you and I, like you and I. And if y'all heard a thump, I just hit the microphone. Sorry about that. Verse 23, when they were released, they, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices. I want y'all to listen to this. After being threatened, this is what they did. They lifted their voices together to God and said, Savon Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Verse 25. Who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? Verse 26, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, let, let, let me elaborate on this just, just, just a little bit. Now, who when they said who through the mouth of our father, David, they're talking about the scripture is truly and totally the word of God, even though it comes through flawed men like David, even as they are, are persecuted, they address God as master and are in a service to his will. Now, verse uh, we're going to go to verse 27. I, let me give the, the, the commentary for verse 27. Now, the, the psalm is interpreted in, in light of Jesus' death. Okay, Jesus' death. The kings and the rulers of verse 26 correspond to Herod, uh, Antipas, uh, and Pilate. Now, you can see Matthew 27, verse 2, and, and Matthew 14 and 1. Um, while the Gentiles and peoples of Israel exemplify those who uh, participated in the crucifixion, Acts 2.23, 
much as in Peter's second temple sermon, 318, this is viewed as being planned by God. Okay, human responsibility is, 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 uh, uh, I would say, <sighs> compatible with divine predestination. Okay, I had to dig for that one. Now, in verse 28, in, in their prayer, reported with um, approval by Luke, the believers affirm both God's sovereignty and human responsibility, whatever includes all of the evil rejection, you know, false accusation and miscarriage of justice and wrongful beatings and mockery and, and crucifixion that both Jews and Gentiles poured out against Jesus. Because both of them did, Jews and Gentiles. That was one time they gathered together because, look, evil is evil. I don't care which, which ethnic background you are from. Evil is evil. Evil will come together to destroy good. Oh, but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Is more powerful than any evil you will evil you will ever encounter. Now, these things were predestined by God. Not yet the human beings who did them were morally lawless. You know, they were responsible for their their own evil deeds and they needed to repent. Now, just because God predestined something doesn't mean that he he made them do it. He just knew they would. He, he just knew he foreknew he knew they would do it, but he didn't make them do it. Now, this prayer reflects both a, a deep acknowledgement of human responsibility and a deep trust in God's wisdom in his suborn direction of the detailed events of history. Now, let's pick up at Acts 49. Okay. Acts, uh, well, 29. I don't know where I get 49 from. And now, Lord, hold up. Uh, 28. That's because I lost my, my, my space. Let me see. The people of Israel, verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Okay, verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Did you hear what the prayer was? They didn't care that these men threatened them and said, don't you know, you better stop speaking in the name of Jesus. God, give us strength. Okay, to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Verse 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do you hear me? Give them the strength to continue to speak boldly. You hear me? While he continues to stretch out his hand. And this is through the Holy Spirit for them to heal and, and, and show signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. And I have to ask you, is that happening in your church today? Jesus is supposed to be at the forefront of every sermon. You hear me? Of every sermon. Because when you take uh, Jesus out of the equation with all of the things Satan has appointed out here today, you know, setting up all these different religions, and you're going to have somebody get in, your, get in their ear and tell them, look, it's another way. You really don't have to go through Jesus. And I'm going to use this moment to share with you a young man whom I have been knowing since he was maybe four years old, now in his 30s, late 30s, grew up with the family. 
his sister is a minister, she told me, pray for him because he has gone another way. Now, he was supposed to be a Christian. He has gone another way. He is now a, a, a black Hebrew Israelite. And I saw him on social media the other day in reference to the Bible uh, saying that they full of fictional characters. My Lord, my Lord. Now, this young man was never saved. And because the truth is not being taught in these churches, because God's true ministers are not on one accord like the apostles were, they preached and they taught the same thing. People are hearing things from other people, from false teachers saying, hey, look, come over here. We got a word for you. Come join the, 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 black, he the uh, black Hebrew Israelites. We are the lost sheep, uh, the lost Jews, the lost, the lost sheep of Israel that, that, that God was looking for. But they're excluding Jesus. They don't believe that God has an offspring. Well, baby, I'm here to tell you, seeds have been planted. I planted seeds with this young man because I'm not forcing anybody to do nothing. We can't. We can plant, somebody else can water, but it is God who gives the increase. When he search your heart and he know you are looking for the truth, he, he will reveal the truth to you. So the young man respects me. You know, he still calls me miss, you know, thank you. Thank you. But he's on drugs. That's a spirit that's speaking to him. Um, he has allowed Satan to come in and minister to him. So he has gone another way, but there ain't no other way in my best English. Salvation is in the name of Jesus and in the name of Jesus only. And you cannot go through a back door. You can't even, you can try to go through a back door, but you will never make it in. Because Jesus is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come into the Father except through him. And we need to understand that. Okay? I thought I'd uh, digress there to share that with you. If you don't stick with Jesus when talking to people, and if your pastor is not sticking with Jesus, if Jesus is not at the forefront of these sermons, you can have people in the church that are lost. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the originator of life. You hear me? The originator of life, our redeemer. We were bought at a price, people. We were bought with the blood of Jesus. And we need to let people know that he died for you as well. That's what you have to tell people. I don't care what you have done, young man or young woman. Your sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus. All you have to do is come, confess he is Lord, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead because that's where salvation is, and you are saved. And no man can take that salvation from you. Now, let's pick up at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, now, some people, some of my brothers and sisters uh, in the ministry, ministers and teachers saying that it happened again. They were, you know, you can be refilled over and over with the Holy Spirit. I I'm on a fence there, but it really doesn't matter because being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, no matter how many times you still need him for power, because if it's in you, I don't believe he's left you. OK, and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. You will find when the apostles spoke with boldness. 
the Holy Spirit was with them. And let me enlighten you here. Just because somebody is running up and down the aisle screaming and hollering and sweating bricks doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is speaking through them. You need to focus on what is coming out of their mouths. Because we have entertainers out here. You need to focus on what, what the message is. Is Jesus somewhere in there? You shouldn't have to figure out if he's talking about Jesus. He's supposed to tell you he's talking about Jesus, he or she. Jesus will always be at the forefront of my teachings. If not, I'm stop, I'm going to stop teaching. So verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. Verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. Did you hear what I just said? Verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. Jesus got to be at the forefront, people. He has to be there because that is the, the, the corner, the chief cornerstone that holds up the building. That's what the chief cornerstone is. The foundation of the church is Jesus. Verse 34. There was not a needy person among them. Here we go again about taking care of the church. The church taking care of its own. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, this is not talking about something, you know, people selling all their possessions. That is not what this is talking about. People who had overflow and say, hey, look, I ain't doing nothing with this. Um, let me sell it so I can help my sister and brother get on their feet. That's what this is talking about. And this is not an obligation. I'm just telling you how the apostles and the, and the um, Old Testament church were on one accord. They took care of their own. Nobody should be on Facebook who claimed to be a Christian. And, and let me remove the word claim. I'm sorry. Who is a brother or sister in Christ begging strangers for money. Did you hear what I just said? But then this is how deceived some people are. And then posting about what a good service they had at their church. Well, tell me this. Why on earth can you not go to your, your sisters and brothers in fellowship and say, hey, look, I, 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 I fell short. I, I need some money for groceries. Um, the doctor prescribed some meds for me. I can't afford to pay them right now or either I would have to eliminate a bill. Can you help me? Well, well, why is it people are not doing that today? I'll tell you why. Because we got some of Satan's people in there. You better go and work for yourself. I don't have nothing to give you. You have to question whether or not the spirit of God or the love of God is shared abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Read Romans five, verse five. You have to question that if a brother or sister in Christ, whether they are your um, biological sisters and brothers or not, your brother and sister in Christ is just as real as the sister and brother you had with your mother and your father. If they are in need and you are choosing not to help them, you need to evaluate your heart. I would give someone my last because I know God is going to provide for me. 
When God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you, they're not going to drop out of the sky. He's going to put it in the hearts of your sisters and brothers to help you. But if the, the hearts of the sisters and brothers in the church today are not real, I can see why some people don't feel comfortable going to the uh, church that they are associated with and asking for help. I can see why. And you know what? With that said, that's unfortunate. That is so sad to me. That is so sad. And verse 35, and laid it at the apostles feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. Verse 36, thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Verse 37, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet. Now we are getting ready. Praise God. We made it to um, chapter five. Okay. And I'm looking at the time. Now I wanted to do all three in, within an hour, but if we go over, we're just going to have to go over. Okay. Until we complete chapter five. Uh, chapter uh, verse one, chapter five. Now, yeah, <laughs> holy, brace yourselves. I'm going to go through this one quick because it's going to uh, make some of you feel uncomfortable. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property, verse two. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles feet. Verse three. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. Verse four, this is important. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? What this is talking about is lying to the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with you giving your money because that's your choice. Peter is clearly making that, uh, sharing that, uh, in verse three and four, it, it's yours. Why are you lying? The issue here is lying to the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, um, why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Verse five, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last and great fear came upon all who heard it. Now, here's the thing. It is what it is. Don't let no one uh, try to um, give you some revelation that's not here. I'm about rightly dividing, but some scriptures speak for itself. And this is one of them. Um, it's about lying to the Holy Spirit. It didn't say the Holy Spirit killed anyone. It didn't say God killed anyone. It says that when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. This is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Okay. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. Verse six, the young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Verse seven, after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in. She didn't even know that her husband had died, not knowing what had happened. Verse eight. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she, sister girl was right along with her husband. <laughs> She was along with her husband and she said, yes, for so much. Verse nine. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together 
to test the spirit of the Lord. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. And verse 10, immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. Now, some, a lot of churches don't teach this part because to some people, if you are listening with a carnal mind, you know, I don't believe that crap. Well, guess what? It happened. It's clearly written in scripture. It wasn't about them giving because they didn't have to. Nothing will happen to you if you don't give. Giving is strictly your choice. The issue here and the point Peter was trying to make and is making is that you shouldn't lie to the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said every sin will be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You can't play with God. Okay, you you can't play with God. Now, it, it is unclear whether or not Ananias and Sapphira was even saved. I don't know if they were. The Bible doesn't say if they were or wasn't, but I would guess they were not. They was, you know, two people amongst the group and, you know, want to be a part of a, a group and a little organization. Hey, to feel good about themselves, not about themselves, not truly saved. And, and say, hey, look, we're going to, uh, you know, let's just tell them, hey, yeah, we sold all of it. And this is all the money. You know, they didn't have to say that that was their money. Didn't you hear Peter say, you know, when it was yours, wasn't it, wasn't it yours? And I'm paraphrasing here. It was yours then. So why lie? Now, verse 10, immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Verse 12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles and they were all together in Solomon's portico. Verse 13, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Now, let me clarify what verse 13 means. None of the rest dared uh, join them. Now, some take uh, the antecedent of them to be the whole church and uh, understand they in verse 12 as referring to all the believers. Others understand them to be the apostles, the apostles in verse 13 and understand they in verse 12 to refer to the apostles as well. Now, the Greek grammar allows for either interpretation. The first interpretation would show that unbelievers were afraid to attach themselves to the church unless they were truly converted over. OK, the second uh, interpretation would show the the unique authority and miraculous power of the apostles. Okay. Now let's, let's, let's pick up at, at verse 15. So, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. That's how strong the anointing and the Holy spirit, the power of the Holy spirit was on not just Peter, but the apostles, period. Oh yeah, you can walk past and be healed. All you had to do was have faith in the name of Jesus. The apostles didn't have to say anything. I have faith in the name of Jesus. Oh yes, to heal me. By his stripes, we were healed. The healing is there. You have to pull the healing down by faith. Sitting right above you. Pull it down by faith. I don't care what you have. You will be healed. Verse 16, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. 
Did you hear what I just said? They were all healed. Now verse 17, but the high priest rose up again and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees and filled with jealousy. Oh, let me tell you, if you got a jealous child, you better pray that out of, out of them. A person filled with jealousy will kill you. Filled with jealousy because the people were no longer looking at them. They were turning to the true and living God through the name of Jesus. That's what the church is supposed to be doing today. Bringing people to the true and living God through the name of Jesus. Verse 19. No, verse 18. They arrested the apostles again and put them in the public prison. Verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. This life is referring to Jesus. Y'all hear me? Verse 21. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council again, all the Senate of the people of, the, of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Verse 22. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported. Verse 23, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Verse 24. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed. They, they were trying to figure out how they got out. We got guards at the gate. The doors were locked. Guards in front of the door. How did they get out? They were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. Now, if it was me and I saw all these signs and wonders, knowing this authority had to come from a supreme being, I wouldn't fool with them. And one of the Sadducees who was uh, an expert in the law is going to tell them this. Now, uh, verse 25, and someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Verse 26, then the captain with the officers went and brought them but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. I told y'all, there's power in, in the people. There's power in numbers. Oh, my God, if we the body of Christ stood up and was on one accord, my God, the work we would be able to do. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, verse 28, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. That's all they was worried about. But Peter and them not once, <laughs> you know, accused them. I'm just saying it ain't all this ain't about you. He already told them God for, you know, predestined and, and, and for these things to happen. But no, this, this them being selfish and being narcissistic, thinking everything is about them. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Did y'all hear that? The government can't tell you what you can and cannot do as it relates to God or preaching Jesus. Now, they can suggest, but the decision should be made by the church whether or not we are going to gather in person. Now, thank God he has used social media as an outlet to uh, fellowship. And reach people with, with the gospel because I'm reaching over well over 50,000 people with this platform. So it look, I agree with social distancing and, and, 
and social uh, physical distancing and and following guidelines, wearing the mask, because I follow all that. But that decision should be made by the church, not the government here, because next they're going to tell you, stop preaching Jesus and what you're going to do. Now, you will never catch me out there marching until they tell me I can't preach Jesus. You're going to have to kill me. Okay, I'm just saying. Verse 30, the God of our fathers raised Jesus. Now, this is after they said Peter uh, told them, um, we must obey God rather than man. Verse 30, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. 31, God exalted him at his right hand, telling him Jesus is alive today, honey. <laughs> he is the Lord. He is Lord. He is Savior. As leader and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. They were rejecting that forgiveness of sins, not even deeming themselves worthy of salvation. Verse 32. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given those who obey him. That's anybody. That's how we were ushered in. Those who obey, we are amongst the those, okay? Verse 33, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. 34, but a Pharisee, not a Sadducee, I said Sadducee earlier, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and, and gave order to put the men outside for a little while because he wanted to chit chat with the council. Verse 35, and he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. Verse 36, for before these days, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody, you know, some head of some religion. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. When Thaddeus was killed, this verse says he was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. Verse 37, after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the, the census and drew away some of the people after him. He claimed to be somebody representing God. He too perished and all who followed him were scattered. Verse 38. So in the present, in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan of, uh, for, oh, wait, let me read that again. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Verse 39. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Praise the Lord. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his, his advice. No, they didn't. Verse 40 says, and when they had called in the apostles, they called them back in. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. See, that's why you got to watch some of these wordings, because they didn't take his advice. What this means is that they heard what he said. That, that's all this means because they didn't take his advice. They heard what he said and they called the apostles in and beat them and still told them not to preach in the name of Jesus. Do you hear, did you hear what I just said? They told them not to preach in the name of Jesus and the apostles went anyway. But there's revelation in this scripture. Verse 41. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. What name? The name of Jesus. Verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that, that the Christ is Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? Every day they did not cease 
teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Now I'm reading for the ESV and you may read the new King James or the King James that Jesus is the Christ at the end of the day. Jesus is supposed to be at the center and the forefront of every sermon because that's where the power is. That is where, where salvation is. Did, look, he is the originator of life. They killed the author of life, but God raised him up. We are supposed to be teaching Jesus and him crucified. He is at the center of our salvation. He is at the center of every message that every teacher and preacher and minister of the gospel should be sharing. Now, we have just ended chapter five. We will resume next Saturday and Sunday with chapter six and seven on Saturday and eight and nine on Sunday so that we can get through this series but I am anxious to get through some of these chapters. There is some amazing things that happened with the church, which was um, started, uh, led by the Holy Spirit, started with the apostles, led by the apostles. The people were led by the apostles. The apostles are our examples, but they were led by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that is available for us today. So I want uh, you guys to stay encouraged, stay prayed up, ask God to open your mind to understand this message and open your hearts to receive it because you can only be blessed by it. I'm here to tell you it changed me. Jesus is the it I'm talking about changed me and he can change you. You have to stick with this word. Don't you let the devil send one of his people to minister to you. And turn you away from the gospel. There is no salvation in any other. Did you hear what I just said? No one else can save you. There is no back door. There is no back door. Only Jesus saves. That's it. So until we meet again. Make sure you stay safe. Practice physical distancing. Um, follow the guidelines by the CDC and the governor of your state. And whatever your country is doing, wear a face mask, uh, wearing a face mask, mask shows respect for others. It doesn't protect you, but it protects someone else. You can ha have the virus without having symptoms. I don't have any symptoms. I was checked. I don't have COVID-19. Um, I was tested, I mean, and but. It doesn't mean I can't get it. So I wear a mask whenever I go out in public, just in case I have it without any symptoms. I don't want to infect anyone. But I was at a store this morning before I let you guys go. And to my surprise, there were a number of people in that grocery store that were not wearing masks and was laughing and joking and proud with walking with their heads held high and chest sticking out. And I said to myself, they don't have a right to infect me. I don't know if they are infected or not. They don't even know, but they don't have a right to infect me. But I do not allow the behavior of others to dictate my behavior. I'm going to do what's right. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. 
Now, it doesn't matter because the governing authorities are here for a reason. They just can't tell you about the things of God and how, how we should worship and, and when and where. I don't believe they, they don't have the authority to do it. I read that to you in chapter 5. Okay, what did Peter say? We ought to obey God rather than man. Now, it may have been in relation to preaching Jesus, but it's all the same. We obey God rather than man. But um, the governing authorities did not give us guidelines to hurt us. These guidelines can help, so it's okay. It's just that the church should be making that decision. But when we go out in public and we are bold, you know, being around people with no, and we don't have any mask on and we are talking. And when we talk, particles come out of our mouths and, and spread at least six feet. Now the experts are saying it can go further than six feet. And I'm here to tell you, you, you <laughs> I'm a Christian first. I'm a minister of the gospel and a teacher of the gospel and a preacher of the gospel second, but I'm still in this flesh. So, um, as long as the people who were in the store were practicing physical distancing because the store had markings six feet away, they were um, using these markings, okay? Because I am very outspoken, not just with the word of God. I'm bold, period. I'm bolder sharing the word of God because not many people call people false teachers. I call you one in a heartbeat, but in love, in love. But as it relates to my safety, I will tell you, no, you need to step back. And I'm encouraging you to do the same. If you encounter some people who refuse to wear masks and they are around you and, and within six feet, you need to tell them, can you step back, please? I'm wearing a mask to protect you. I see you're not wearing a mask to protect me. But so I'm asking you nicely, can you step back behind that marker? I don't have a problem doing that, but I must say the people that I saw this morning that were not wearing masks, they were honoring the physical distancing. They just didn't wear a mask. Okay. So you guys keep praying for peace. Keep praying for unity uh, within the body of Christ that everyone unite in the body of Christ so that we can defeat the devil. Okay. Cause that's who our fight is with. It's not with people. It's with the devil. So stay safe. And until next time, I am Dr. Kamala D. And this is Learning Bible Truth. I pray that you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially, because you feel we have been a blessing to you, go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, or Radio Public, and contribute an amount of your choice. Now, until next time, remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.